This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Welcome everyone. This is Letty Medina and I am this week's host for Healing the Whole Person. And today I have the great pleasure of hosting a friend of mine named Janet. And Janet has agreed to come and share her personal witness about how God has brought tremendous healing into her life over the last what 20 20 plus yeah, years over 20 years so welcome Janet thank you Letty and thank you so much for having me um, yeah so I'm here to share my story and um, it's not one that I'm used to saying uh, so publicly but um, but I feel that this is um, you know I, I hope to reach a lot of people Absolutely. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing Janet for about the last four years or so, Mm -hmm. and uh, we belong to a a parish together, and uh, we've gotten um, close as sisters in Christ. And so, you know, one of the greatest joys in my heart is to witness God's work in, in people's lives. And so it's been such a joy for me to watch how God has been transforming you right in front of my eyes for these last four years. But I know the story started quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start a little bit, why don't you tell a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background? So I'm a cradle Catholic. Um, I was, you know, born into a very large family. Um, I'm one of five and um, had a, a very happy childhood. Um, my parents were very happily married um, and you know everybody got along well it was you know we were brought up in catholic schools um everything you know everything on the outside looked very normal um there was no no trauma no illness nothing um i grew up going to the country club um you know i was you know i had a very normal childhood yes um but, but there you know were some we, there were issues. Well, you know, and and I do want to say this as a Catholic family, we I, I think my parents had this. Um, I think it was a very typical um, view at the time that um, the Catholic schools were meant to kind of educate you. So we never prayed together as a family. Yep. We never um, we never prayed the Rosary together. Didn't even pray like before meals. Maybe at, at a holiday. Sure. You know. But um, so, and and. And, and additionally, we didn't really like argue or share a whole lot either. So there was this feeling of like, not only do you pray in private and you don't let anybody see you, you don't show any emotion either. Yes. So that was kind of how I grew up and I didn't really know how to express what I needed. Yeah. You know, that's hard. Yeah. And I have to affirm that growing up, in a, you know, similar time frame as you, my family mm-hmm. was very similar. We didn't necessarily talk about the faith you know mm-hmm. I knew that my parents were believers I knew we were Catholic we didn't right. go regularly as much as you did yeah. um, but that's hard because yeah. you don't really have a strong uh, foundation mm-hmm. as perhaps those families that do actually pray together talk about the Lord etc right. right. yeah. yeah so what started happening to kind of unravel your life a bit you know I I just grew up a very shy introverted kind of kid and um, very, very fearful of everything, of just growing up, of 
things you know that I knew were coming along like you know high school and college and boys and you know how would I how would I cope with all of these things and I just um, you know I was just incredibly fearful and just not even uh, not even able to talk about it so um, so I probably experienced you know my first drink when I was um, probably at a wedding or so like a family mm-hmm. wedding um, and I just instantly took to it it took away all the fear it you know calmed me down it made me feel confident I could um, suddenly felt beautiful I felt I could be popular it gave me everything that um, I didn't have when I wasn't um, under the influence took away all those inhibitions yeah Yeah. I mean it was it was absolutely like the cure it was so powerful that I would even say it was like a spiritual experience Mm. you know my experience with my response to alcohol was so powerful um, that it, it just changed how I looked at everything and I instinctively knew that it didn't do this for everybody else yes you know that I was different and that um, I mean I kind of knew right from the beginning that I liked this a little too much right and um, and I felt like I want to do this for the rest of my life wow you know like powerful medicine and, and the other thing is I knew other people didn't experience that because otherwise everybody would be drinking all the time right you know, and that I was just like where's this been all my life yeah you know? and so did you have a history of alcoholism in your family no nothing Okay. Nothing. There was, like I said, there was no, nothing that I could point to to say this is why okay. I went down the path I did. But the door was open now. Yes. 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 Definitely. So how did things progress? Um, I, when I would, you know, I would go to parties and stuff. I would always drink too much. You know, just I, I did not have that mechanism that said slow down or stop by the time I felt that it was so far gone Mm -hmm. um and because I was in so much pain on the inside I would start cutting I would use razor blades and cut my arms and and but I really only did this when I was under the influence um but it was sort of this outer manifestation of how I was feeling inside so in a strange way it made me feel better so th- so that's interesting. So despite yeah. the fact that the alcohol was kind of masking some of the pain, right? you still had to cut to deal with some of the deeper yes. pain. But the thing about alcohol is it has this um, tendency towards diminishing returns. So I always chased that first experience, but it got less and less. Impactful. So the more, the more I drank the more my tolerance increased the more I needed it but the what I got out of it was less and less okay until in the end it was nothing okay. I was only drinking for to maintain you know just and your body craved it in right. a sense mm-hmm. right absolutely okay. yeah yeah wow so um and then another significant thing happened when I was about 20 I was in a classroom in a college classroom and I had to write this creative writing assignment before the end of class and I got, I started writing all this stuff and realized it wasn't going to work and I had to start over. And I started to panic and I had this full-blown panic attack for the first time, never had anything like this happen, but I had this feeling like I had to run out of the room. Um, I could feel my heart 
beating out of my chest, you know, just flush, full physiological response, you know. Wow. And it was so scary that, you know, I thought I was going crazy. And when it passed, um, a few days later, it happened again, like in a grocery store. And then it would happen like in a movie theater and anywhere I felt like I was trapped and I couldn't get out. So I, you know, saw a doctor who referred me to a psychiatrist. I went to the psychiatrist and he gave me a book about panic attacks and I'd never heard of anything like that before. And he gave me a prescription. And he gave me a prescription for Xanax mm-hmm. with unlimited refills. Wow. And kind of just said, here, read this book. And, you know, that was kind of it. And I believe that kind of response from doctors is probably more common than we realize. Yeah. And this was quite a while ago. I mean, yeah. this was over 20 years ago. So, um, so I never, you know, I took those and I never had another panic attack. It was, it worked so well. It was just like the alcohol. It worked perfectly. And I couldn't have a panic attack if I tried, you know. Wow. So I, I continued to take them for over a decade and, okay. um, and didn't always take them as prescribed. So yeah. um, there was an addiction forming there. But I couldn't recognize it because I felt like it was prescribed. You know, it was sort of that. So at this time in your life, did, were you admitting to yourself that you were an actual alcoholic? Not quite yet. I mean, maybe okay. in my mid-20s, I felt like I probably was, but I wasn't ready to stop yet. Okay. Okay. So I was seeking, you know, the help of a 12-step program and would have periods of sobriety um, where I would, you know, be sober for a few months or maybe even over a year, but I would always pick up again. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what, uh, what happened next? I mean, let's talk a little bit about how the enemy works in the midst of all of these. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching all of my friends and my family kind of move on with their lives. You know, year after year, they're getting married, having kids, moving on with their lives. And that wasn't happening for me. And my life was getting smaller and smaller. I had fewer and fewer people to spend time with because they had, my friends had, obligations with their families and and furthermore I felt like I was surrounded by all this beauty in my family all these beautiful nieces and nephews and I just adored them and I felt like God was surrounding me with all this beauty and saying you can only look at this like through a window you can't actually touch it how painful I can't imagine the wound of, of that lie. And right. it was a lie. It was a total you know, lie. Because I didn't have any trust in the Lord yet. I didn't even know the Lord yet. Um, I wasn't a practicing Catholic at this point. Okay. Um, you know, once I'd gotten out of high school, I Fell away didn't, from the faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and just was living this life of a spiraling alcoholic. And mm-hmm. how are your your parents, your siblings, in all in the midst of all this? Were they trying to intervene, or were they, they were? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There was um, it, because it it just gradually got worse and worse. So um, and they didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah. It, it, I want to interject here. So you know, it, it, here Janet is sharing about some very you know personal, sensitive struggles that she faced with addictions, and 
what does what does the enemy do? I mean, he does come in and he really mm. tries to take people when they're already down. Yes, and he yes. tries to crush them and believe help them t- make them believe that this is where they're going to stay for the rest yep. of their life. Exactly, and that there's no way out. Exactly, it's a pretty yes. dark place, isn't it? And it's very convincing. Oh my goodness, it super is. convincing. Yes, yeah. So what what happened next? Um, so I. I was studying psychology. I was going to school at night, working full time, getting, you know, I got my my bachelor's in psychology and I decided to go on to graduate school. And by this time, my drinking was so bad. It was every day. It was, um, and I was having little consequences like falls and bruises and stuff, Mm -hmm. but nothing, no arrests or anything, nothing significant. Um, And I think I thought I was going to quit drinking before. I started graduate school, but I was so in the midst of it, and it had such a grip on me that I couldn't stop. So, sure. so if you can imagine, I'm going to graduate school every day with professors and advisors, and you know, people who really should have seen all the signs; they were all there, and no one ever confronted me. Yeah. You know, it was. It was kind of amazing, actually, because, I mean, I must have been sweating booze. I mean, you'd smell it. My hands were shaking all the time. I was going through withdrawals, you know. Um, but I was going to school, and sure. I was actually passing, you know. Okay. I mean, I was, I, I guess on the outside, it looked pretty normal. And so you were kind of almost trying to convince yourself, well, I, I must not be that bad because I'm able to go to school or... Sure, that's another, you know, lie that the enemy tells you is that well, you can keep doing this. You're in you control. Know, you can function. Yeah. 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 So there was a Christmas where um, it was a particularly depressing time because my, um, my cousin had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And the Christmas Eve party that we had gone to every year of my life um, was not going to happen this year. And so this was the one day of the year I saw my whole family and, you know, cousins. It was a really joyous time. And, you know, we instead, I had Chinese food with my parents. Mm. You know, it was particularly sad and depressing. And I just decided, like, I'm going to get really drunk tonight. Mm -hmm. Knowing that I would see my family the next day on Christmas Day. Well, I got really drunk and I fell and injured myself pretty badly yeah. and broke my nose, um, had black eyes, you know. So I spent like all of Christmas in my room, you know. So wow. So I recovered from that, went back to school. Um, I was about to start this practicum site and I'm like, I can't do it. I just can't show up. I'm going to be with kids. Um, and I quit. I quit. I called them. I said, I can't show up and I quit school. Wow. And I never looked back, actually. It was actually a really good decision. Was it? Okay. Well, that's yeah. good to know. So it, so y- you've said, you've shared with me that a counselor said something that you'll never forget that changed everything. Well, I, I after, after this experience, I, um, there was another Christmas. Okay. And I had this, um, I was suffering from like anxiety and you know um there was there was a the the following christmas right before christmas my cousin another cousin had been killed in a car accident Mm. as the innocent victim of a drunk driver oh wow 
and he was a cousin that I just was very dear to and and this was this was like the beginning of the end for me okay um, it was really I couldn't I I couldn't justify that like I was still alive I had been doing all of these things to try and kill myself and here my cousin is taken in such a way and I I was so angry with God just so angry so you know. so suicide also came into yes. play at this time yeah. so yeah. I mean it, it, here we have alcohol mm-hmm. drugs depression yeah, yeah. And so it was I mean it was just kind of the beginning of the end for me yeah and um, I went into treatment and um, I told this counselor you know I I feel like recovery is for everybody else but me you know like God will Another do this lie. for other people mm-hmm. but not for me and she looked at me and she said and she had this incredulous look on her face and she said Janet do you think you're that special <laughs> And I was like, I was dumb. I was shocked. I was like, I'm not explaining myself very well. I'm the victim. Don't you understand? You know, and but I had to take a look at that and Absolutely. see that, like, I'm not the exception. Exactly. You know, it just, I, I honestly let it, I never looked at it that way. I was so shocked by what she said. I couldn't say anything. Wow. <laughs> but it really started to make me turn the whole thing around and see it as maybe I'm not, maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong Maybe way. everybody like who struggles with addiction comes to this <laughs> point of feeling pretty. <laughs> and there are, there are victims. There are honest to God victims, but I wasn't one. Right. But I had been trying to play that victim role. Yes. Of, you know, manipulating people and come save me. Right. But I couldn't just ask for help, you know. Yeah. And so I started to I started to see things, you know, differently. What a blessing yeah. that that she kind of yeah. called your bluff. <laughs> definitely, definitely, because no one else would be that upfront. Yeah. Know? Very, very blunt. Yes. But that's what you needed in yes. that moment. Yeah. To kind of wake up. And and things changed after that, you know. Um, I found my first real, you know, sobriety. And uh, how did you do that? Did you? I went into treatment, um, went into a you know twenty eight day program, okay. and that I mean that was really what I needed at that point. Sure. And then I spent like another three months at a halfway house, very nice halfway house, but still a halfway house. Sure, there. sure. And yeah. so you know, if if we're talking to someone out there who's listening right now who's struggling with addiction, what what would you say to them? I would just, I would tell them that God loves you. Amen. Like, don't ever doubt that, that trust. He I mean, God you. was taking care of me the whole time, and I didn't know it. You could, you, yeah, but you can see it now, looking back. Yeah, I mean, it all, everything had to happen the way it did for me to get where I'm at today. Yeah. So, I'm grateful for that. Like, it was all worth it. Praise God. That's a powerful statement. So uh, anybody who is listening in right now, and I know there are people there who are struggling with some form of, addic- of addiction. Maybe sure. it's not alcohol. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's right. food addiction. Whatever yeah. your struggle is, God is bigger than it. Yes. And yes. God loves you. Mm-hmm. And you're not a failure because you struggle. We Absolutely. all struggle. Yeah. 
and That's sin is sweet. sin and it's no fun <laughs> and it drags us down to the darkness and the enemy is always there to try to beat us yes. up and tell us that this is where we belong but those are lies yes and i do think the enemy uses alcohol and drugs as it's one of his favorite tools absolutely it makes his job so much easier <laughs> no question it, it makes us so much more vulnerable and easy yes. to yes. push around when mm -hmm. we're no longer in control. Yes. yes. And so, you know, we're, we're talking on a show called Healing the Whole Person. So this was the beginning of some real healing for you mm -hmm. is the part of the addiction. You, you went into the program, you started getting help, mm -hmm. you had a sponsor, mm -hmm. all yes. of that played in. Work in the 12 steps, um, and, and they're, they're beautiful. The 12 steps are a beautiful way to, to start recovery, and it talks about a higher power. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so, you know, this being a, a Catholic radio show, we're going we're gonna to come back after the break in about a minute, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Janet's healing through the church and through our dear Lord Jesus. That's my favorite part. A amen, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it's important for people to hear that she had to first go through all this mm -hmm. initial healing with the 12-step uh, program mm -hmm. to find yep. her way yep. back. So um, just, just remember that, again, every one of us is wounded in some way. Mm -hmm. yeah. But God wants to heal his children. He is the divine physician. He calls us into his love, into his light for a reason. So don't don't go away. Um, we'll be right back after this short break. And Janet's going to share a little bit about her spiritual healing that has been happening quite profoundly um, involving a trip, including a trip to Medjugorje. We'll be right back after this short break. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving the sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Heal Healing the Whole Person, and I have my friend Janet in the studio with me, and she's just been sharing um, about some of the healing that she's experienced in her life uh, after struggling with a, a variety of addictions as a young woman. And now we're going to get to the part that she really loves to share, <laughs> which is more of the spiritual healing. But you did mention that you wanted to talk about a fundraiser that you were part of. Can you share a yeah. little bit about that? So, um, 
you know, part of being in recovery is um, you see a lot of people who die of this disease of alcoholism and you see a lot of suicide. Yep. And um, so I experienced, you know, quite a few people that, um, that, you know, succumb to this. And so I heard of something called the Out of the Darkness Walk. Um, It was a fundraiser for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And they do a walk every year. And um, so I did it in 2009. And what's unique about this walk is that it starts at dusk. And uh, they kick it off and you you walk, we walked 18 miles and you walk all night. Oh, beautiful. And then, you know, you walk into the dawn and out of the darkness. Profound. And it, it was very powerful. Um, you know, the, the walk was powerful. The preparation was powerful. There were um, training sessions, you know, where we would go on shorter walks. And I got to meet people who, you know, people are there for all different reasons. Because they lost someone to suicide because they had experienced, um, you know, depression. So um, it was just a really eye-opening experience to um, to see the effects and, you know, what what it does to families you know alcoholism destroys families suicide destroys families um and but it you know suicide is a far more permanent way so um so yeah it was you know it was something that um you know was very dear to me and um you know i yeah a spiritual experience almost yes yes definitely definitely that's beautiful um so why don't we talk a little bit about how the Lord led you back to the practice of the faith? Yeah, so um, so I had been, you know, I've been sober for, for quite some time, um, you know, got married, you know, everything, I was very happy. Um, but I had, you know, like the 12 steps, you know, talk about a higher power, and I felt like I really wanted to explore this more but I couldn't do it in meetings. I needed to, it just wasn't the place for it. Um, I needed to explore this and I need to go back to church. And I didn't know what kind of church I wanted to go to. I was, because I kind of dabbled in some non-denominational churches and, um, you know, was kind of looking, okay, what's in my area? You know, where should I go? And looking on websites and, Church shopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) That's what people do. And, um, you know, around this time, my my father had passed away. So I just kind of felt like this calling to come back to the Catholic Church. And I couldn't really explain it because I'm like, I know what that has to offer. Why, you know, why would I want to go back to that? But it had something that no other church had, and that was like the, the reverence and the... Um, the intimacy, you know, of just the the, the sacredness yes. is, is the word I'm looking for. Mm. Um, that I just, I knew I couldn't find anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I love the Mass. I love the procession of the priests walking to the church and kissing the altar. Mm-hmm. I love the incense. I love the music. Mm-hmm. The music is probably the first thing that really took me um was just hearing sacred music i would just listen to it and just cry Mm. and it was you know the holy spirit was like working through me and really speaking to me and i could hear you know god's words and scripture and this music and it was just 
it was just incredible. Did it you take know? you back to your childhood at all? Um, no, no, not really. It, it was it was it brand was a new whole for new you. Experience. How yes. beautiful! Yes. Um, yeah, it was beautiful, it, but it was a very slow change. It took me. It really, it took me like years for me to come back. Okay. And even when I did come back, I didn't go to confession right away. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand that like I should. Mm-hmm. I didn't. There were so many things I didn't know. Yeah. Um, not only had the wording changed, but like I didn't know how to pray a rosary. I knew what the I knew which beads were which, but I didn't know the mysteries. Yeah. I didn't know about adoration. Yeah. Um, those were all new things to me. So, um, so I was invited to on um, a chirp Christ Renews Parish um, retreat and that was that was a real springboard um, I started to learn all of, you know more about my faith yes and I remember at the time thinking I wasn't comfortable with confession because I was very uncomfortable with the word sin yes you know like I don't I don't like the word sin you know like I, I character defects yes you know sin no <laughs> and I think I laugh about that now because I'm like well, of course you're not supposed to feel comfortable <laughs> with sin that's the whole point you know <laughs> I love that it's supposed to make you uncomfortable like that word <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't do sin you know, so so yeah, it was a real learning experience, and I met all these wonderful women on the trip retreat. It was just, um, I mean, it was beautiful because you, you know, you you're a giver, and then you work to, or no, you're you're a receiver, and then you work to be a giver. Yeah. So as great as the receiver part was, the giver part was even better, and there was all this like community and and growth, and um, I think I made this is this is one like the enemy got really angry at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I want to say a few things. Yeah. So you had come back to the church. You mm-hmm. were starting to practice your faith. Yeah. Your heart was being touched by the beauty of the sacredness mm-hmm. of the Mass, the beauty of the sacred music. Um, but it wasn't until you got invited into a, a, a community a, mm-hmm. of faithful people that you started really kind of going, oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And I really want to emphasize that yes. to our listeners, okay? So I know that it's hard to belong to a, a, a community if you haven't found your people yet. Mm-hmm. And But I want to encourage you to be open because yes. a lot of people sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. afraid of being judged, afraid of not fitting in, afraid of this or that or the other. Mm-hmm. And if someone invites you to a retreat, yes. say yes. yes. And, and that yes is important because that is where we open our hearts to mm-hmm. allow the Lord to come and start working in the deeper layers of our hearts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if we always say on the sidelines, um, the Lord can't do a lot with us, yes. you know? Yes, it's very difficult. And I did say no the first time I was asked because I couldn't go that weekend. But in the next time I was asked, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to just go because they're going to keep bugging me. <laughs> so I wasn't even that enthused about it. But when I, since I did, I was so happy I did. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it just, again, it was just a springboard to other things. You know, I met so many beautiful women, um, just so amazed by their stories. And that introduced me to other ministries and exactly and did you end up going to confession so part of the chirp retreat Mm -hmm. i'll just share is is confession Mm -hmm. so 
um, did you end up going that week? I don't know. I don't know if it was after that. I mean, it was soon around that time that okay. I, I did go and yeah. did my 30 years worth of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot off your chest that day. I mean, it was funny. The priest just said, did I hear that right? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Praise God. The angels were singing, I, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. And, you know, with the other thing, your, your, sto- your personal witness is highlighting a very common issue, mm-hmm. which is there are many, many people similar to you who have grown up, mm-hmm. in, quote unquote, in a Catholic family, yes. even going to Catholic schooling, yeah. but then they fall away mm-hmm. and their catechesis wasn't perhaps so good. Right. And right. so they don't really know their faith. Yes. And so then how do they find their way back? It's hard. You kind of stumble in the darkness for a while. But, you know, nobody invited me back. Nobody suggested it. I literally, I was called. There's no doubt. I mean, I was pulled. The the Lord called you back. I was pulled back. So beautiful. Yeah. And I was, yeah, and I was just, I'm I'm still so amazed. Like, I get chills, like, during the Mass, just knowing what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. It's a miracle each mass and and it's also this whole idea of like entering into the suffering and offering up your your suffering is these are things that I could spend the rest of my life contemplating Amen. and never understand them fully. I know. There's so much rich richness to the Catholic Church that yes. I just didn't know it was there in early on. What a gift. You know? What a gift. Yeah. That's awesome. So then you were introduced to Rosary Group. Yes. How yes. did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, this is where I met you. This yes. is where you come into the story. Um, yeah, so the chirp woman um, wanted to bring in the expert, you know, <laughs> and somebody who really knew how to do a Rosary Group. And, and so I was, um, again, drawn into this tight-knit group of women who... And it, it's a really beautiful thing, a, rose, a good rosary group, because there's a lot of trust and a lot of intimacy there, and and things aren't shared outside of that. So mm-hmm. you're praying for each other, and you know, um, it's it's very um, it's a safe place. Yes, yes, yeah. it's it is like a sacred mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of healing that happens during these gatherings. So I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> But I did search it. This is where I started to experience a lot of darkness too. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll just share that. You know, one of the things that I was called to do early in my conversion, after I went to Medjugorje, and I had this major conversion, and Mother Mary became such a big part of my journey, is I felt called uh, to start a rosary group. And so I started it in my neighborhood with two dear friends, Joan and Patty. And um, luckily, we persevered through all the, you know, ups and downs of young family life, and we kept gathering um, for years. And it wasn't for years. I don't know how many years we were gathering before other people started joining us. First it was Angie, then it was Kim, then it was, Mm -hmm. you know, Marge, and then you came along. And, mm-hmm. and others um, and it has been it has borne a lot of fruit that yes. that yes. rosary group yeah. um, because when we come and contemplate the mysteries of Christ's life mm-hmm. and the mysteries of the stories of scripture mm-hmm. lived out 
um, in these different, um, you know, sorrowful, joyful, mm. uh, glorious mysteries, luminous mysteries. Oh my gosh, you you get to reflect on the beauty mm-hmm. of this life of Christ and His Mother Mary, and the power of God that is available yes. to all of us. Yes, and the you know, and I never thought of like healings as being something that happened today. I thought, well, that was back in the Bible, you know. Yeah. Like so sad that so many people think that, right? Right. They right. miss the reality that God is working every single day yes. and he wants to heal us. Yes. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about that darkness that you started experiencing. Here you're immersed in prayer, things mm-hmm. are going well overall, and then? And then, um, very suddenly, I started to get hit with these old, familiar feelings of deep, seated darkness and the kind of darkness where like I couldn't eat and I hadn't felt anything like this in I mean at this point it was a good 15 years that I'd been sober Mm -hmm. and I didn't know where this was coming from I you know went back to a doctor and I was like I think I need an antidepressant I and he could see it. I mean, it was all over my face, you know. I remember running into you a couple know, times and I seeing you in a really dark place. Yeah. And, I mean, there was at least one time I saw you where you kind of talked me off the ledge. And yep. and I didn't, I just didn't understand it. I didn't know how the enemy worked at exactly. that point. Um, and I didn't know that I had been making his job really hard. Yeah. And he was retaliating. Exactly. Um, yep. So, so yeah. I, w- I want to really emphasize this point for the listeners. Okay. So, as we make a, a new commitment to the Lord, and as we start blossoming and growing, mm. and really our roots start going deep into the soil of our Lord, mm. um, boy, the enemy hates that. Yeah. He, he does not want us to make spiritual progress. Yeah. So he comes against us in a mighty way with all sorts of dark yes. thoughts and yes. lies and boy it's convincing yes it is it's so convincing um yeah it's it's not you know there's no horns or anything involved but um yeah so it it was very puzzling to me yeah and and what he's trying to do is he's trying to turn you away from the path you're on yes because you are making progress and he knows he's losing you yes and he's like, oh, dang it. We got to attack her yes. and make her not want to persevere on this path. <laughs> <laughs> and But I think you were you were definitely a part of all that because you were you were always there to, like, suggest something, yeah. you know. And one of the things you said was, let's go to Medjugorje. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so you had, you had invited me, you know, on a, a pilgrimage um, with a lot of people from our church and you know a, a big group of travelers and I was like this yeah I gotta go you know I um, I was excited about it and it wasn't just Magicoria it was also you know a, a retreat with Father Sudats and yeah stigmatic priest um, so you know I went there a, a lot of and I had never heard of Magicoria until I came back to the church and had I known that there were visionaries my age having visions of the Blessed Mother when I was a teenager boy I wish I had known it then right you know yeah um, yeah I just I had no idea that this was going on all these years and so um, I was very excited to go very excited for the for the Father Sudat's retreat Um, and 
you know, I everybody been telling me, oh, I yeah, I was there, and you know, my rosary changed color, and I saw the miracle of the sun, and I was like, all I was just like, expecting all these things to happen, and when you're an alcoholic, you, your expectations can really set you up. Okay. And um, so I went there with all these expectations, and it wasn't anything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was it was very different, not in a bad way, just different. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Medjugorje was beautiful, but I kept having these experiences of getting separated from everyone. Yes. Like physically separated. Yep. Over and over, like every day, a couple times a day, and I would get really mad because mm-hmm. I'd be like, nobody's looking out for me like none of my friends are looking back to see if I'm there and I'd turn a corner you all be gone yeah you know and again I didn't know what was happening at the time um well let me just say again one of the enemy's favorite tactics is isolation Mm -hmm. yeah he loves to isolate people and then he tells them see nobody cares about you yes don't you see that yes (laughs) <laughs> and again, because you got separated, uh-huh. it's super convincing. And there was, we went to see one of the visionaries speak, and uh, this was so comical. We walked into this big room. Um, we were led, like, right to the front. Everybody's taking seats, and it's like musical chairs. There's no chair for me. Oh, goodness. Everybody in our group has a chair, and I look around, there's no chair. So I start to have to backtrack through the room. Now everything behind us had filled in. I'm all the way back at the door. I'm so sorry I didn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm apologizing on the radio. But I laugh about it now because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, it really. I mean, it was like multiple, you know, musical chairs, and I'm stuck without a chair, and and you're out, you know. Yeah. But and then I said the whole rest of the day I was like, I didn't even care what she had to say. Like I was, I was just like. Yeah, you know, you were I'm back in done. a dark place. I was done, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, and that he, he worked, you know. Yeah, like I, I sort of paid attention. I wasn't even in the picture that we had the big group picture. I was like, I don't care, you know. Yeah, yeah, but that's how it works. And so, um, so there was just a lot of darkness there, and I felt like, God, like why did you bring me all this way, you know? And, um, and then we got to the Father Sudat's retreat, and a lot of people go there seeking deliverance. Mm-hmm. And so we saw, you know, there would be opening prayers of, um, you know, deliverance, you know, authority prayers, and and people would manifest mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. And we were warned, you know, of what to expect. And I was madly curious yeah. because I didn't believe it. I thought it was staged. Mm-hmm. I wanted to prove that I wanted to run out and see what was happening outside the room, and they would t- the ministry would take them out, and mm-hmm. you know I'd go out at the break and I'd examine the whole lobby, and it'd be like all the holy water all over the walls, and I was like, wow, something's been going on out here, and um, but I watched and I became convinced that it was not staged. Yeah. People suffer from spiritual affliction of different kinds. Yeah, I I could s- I could see it. I could s- hear during like the holiest moments of the mass, the screaming would start from way away from the room, somewhere mm-hmm. else in the hotel, and I'm like, they can't know what's happening in here right now. Yeah, this is not staged. Yeah, this is real. So that was just an eye-opening experience yeah. to, to be, be witness to that firsthand. So you come back from Medjugorje. You're feeling mm-hmm. a little kind of unsure. 
Yeah, because I didn't know, like, what, what, why was I there? Right. You know? Right. Um, what happened next? Well, about a month later, I was um, on a retreat for a ministry, and I was up at, um, at a monastery. And I had a nightmare that night in the room at that I was wrestling a demon, and it was so real. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I still remember what his hands looked like. It was the room exactly the way it was um, in the dream. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up not knowing if I had been screaming out loud or, you know, mm-hmm. if it had all been, it, it just seemed like a very real dream. And so I, um, soon after that, I started to notice things changing in my life. And I, the only thing I could say for certain was, this all started since Medjugorje, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I noticed like, my dog's behavior had changed. All of a sudden he was very, um, very fearful. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't explain it. I'm like, it's just ever since I went, he's different. Yeah. And um, and I started to experience nosebleeds, yeah. um, pretty, you know, pretty severe and frequent and ongoing. And they kept happening during very yes I- you interesting know. times when you were involved mm-hmm. in ministry. Yes, yes. About to meet a chirp sister for dinner, I'd have to call and cancel. Be like, I just had a nosebleed. I don't, I don't know how long it's going to last. And yeah. So finally, I started to get you know treated for it. I went to a doctor, and he cauterized you know, a wound, you know, a spot and said, you know, it'll heal. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I continued to get them and this is going on like a year. Yeah. And um, I'm getting discouraged. I'm going back to the doctor. Another, you know, procedure. Like five times I did this and I kept getting nosebleeds. And, and in I the midst of all this, I noticed that Jana's not showing up to Rosie yes, very often. I'm getting really, I'm getting depressed. I'm getting discouraged. <laughs> you know, things like nothing's the same. So, okay. So, um, I had surgery to correct a deviated nasal septum. That didn't work. Um, finally, I go back. It's a year later. I go back to that same retreat. Um, have that one really bad nosebleed. I leave go see the doctor and I have this experience in in his office where the lights start to dim on their own. And you finally reached out to me and said, okay, I need help. I I need to talk. Yes, I'm scared. (laughs) I want to talk. In the midst of all this, the Lord kept putting Janet on my heart and kept prompting me to reach out to her and she would be silent (laughs) 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 because she was, she wasn't sure. She's like, I just don't know if I want to go back to this rosary group or this, you know, too many dark, weird things are happening. And then finally, after that one experience in the doctor's office, you were were like, okay, I'm ready to talk. Some weird things are happening. I don't understand. And that's where, you know, um, you know, we met with with our deacon and he explained like this is how the enemy works this is a case of oppression he's trying to keep you away from the church and and invited me to to be prayed over yes and never had another nosebleed no no that was it praise god over yeah god is good (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're we're getting close to the end of this beautiful story and i mean you've shared an awful lot um obviously you had both spiritual healing physical healing you know um what what would you like to share with the listeners as a summary i mean now you're involved in 
healing ministry yeah. yourself. You're part of a prayer team with yes. several of us. Yes. Yeah, so I get to I get to pray with people who are experiencing the ca- same kind of, you know, oppression and symptoms like that. And it's such a blessing and um, an honor, actually, you know. I think I one of the things that <laughs> I want to say is that s- Janet's story is actually a very typical story for many people who are called into ministry. That the Lord finds us where we're at, and he calls us through, you know, a, a journey of healing and, and transformation and conversion. And he strengthens us and he mm-hmm. prepares us because we know firsthand yes. what we've experienced. We've experienced his love, his mercy, his goodness, his faithfulness, mm-hmm. the love of other faithful friends. Yeah. And then he sends us out and says, now go share yes. the good news. Because yeah. this, is, this is what you've lived. Yeah, there's a bigger plan. There's such a beautiful plan. So anybody who hears this, who's hurting, yeah, just have faith. Seek the Lord's healing. He loves you, and He wants you to have all that you need to live a life of fullness in Him, a life of freedom, a life of beauty, a life of love. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.